The Athletic Podcast Network is sponsored by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, the iPhone of toothbrushes, engineered by industrial designers to be simple and stylish. It stands neatly, upright, or hangs on the mirror, not taking up space or sitting in a gross cup or holder. And there's no cord clutter because it's battery-powered. It comes in colors including green, copper, silver, and gold, and starts at only $25. And you can get your first refill free if you visit getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for The Athletic, joined in a second here by Jake Reiner of CBS2 Los Angeles. We are happy to tell you, Rams fans, that we have news. We have coordinators confirmed our long national nightmare has ended. The Rams today announced, confirmed, etc., uh, what we knew already, two hirings that we knew already, that of Brandon Staley as defensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell as offensive coordinator, and also, something we learned today, John Bonamago, new special teams coordinator, most recently had been with the Detroit Lions. So we are going to get a chance to talk to these people on Wednesday. There'll be a little bit of a press availability to do some interviews so that'll be exciting and fun to actually hear from these guys Jake it's it's been a long wait hasn't it did you did you ever think we were going to get to this day I was hoping we could just continue to talk about them without hearing from them or the Rams I thought it was weird that um it didn't come out like it wasn't announced by the Rams like social media team. Like typically that's how it happens is when the reports come out from the different beat reporters or insiders and then the team will come out and post something on social media to confirm uh, what the reports had said. In this instance, it was sort of like they announced the press conference and in that same breath sort of confirmed the hirings uh, that we had discussed for what we've been discussing between uh, Kevin O'Connell and Brandon Staley. And then we learned about Bonamago today, but I think it's a really, a really good thing that they've, that they've kind of come out and said that, uh, you know, these are our, you know, our three top coordinators and, 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 and moving forward, moving through this off season so that like we've been saying that they can, you know, then turn their attention to the roster and focus on um, putting this team back together. Right. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting way of, of handling it. They, I, you know, I, I heard word on uh, last Friday that they were kind of just waiting to do this all at once. And, and that maybe there were a couple things that um, came down to being able to announce the, the one that they actually haven't announced yet that, that we were able to confirm uh, the other day was also a new running backs coach. Um, Thomas Brown, who's going to be coming from the University of South Carolina. Uh, that one is yet to be announced, but I was able to confirm that um, with a Rams source. So that's one, uh, Jake, where, you know, that guy's at a college and they just got through signing day. So there's a little bit of uh, maybe bumps or, or waiting that, that you have to uh, 
uh, go through there. And, and they're not done yet, uh, exactly. Uh, there's still going to be some additions to the staff that have to be made. An assistant special teams coach will be in there. And the other news, Jake, is, uh, and, and this is not to be kind of uh, underestimated either, I guess you would say, but uh, Ted Rath, who is the Rams' uh, strength and conditioning coach for a while there, um, has left for a similar, I think, job with the with Philadelphia Eagles, maybe even a slightly more responsibility. I'm not sure exactly what their structure is like in, in Philadelphia, but not an assistant coach. I had a lot of people ask me about that hiring and how this factors into everything. That's considered more of a staff position than, you know, like a running backs coach or a special teams coach or, or something like that. But, you know, Jake, I, I know you, you've you been out there at practice and, and been around the team a lot. You know, Ted was a was a big figure in not only in terms of what he brought uh, in terms of the conditioning program and things like that, but a personality. He was a voice that you heard a, a lot around the practice facility, very visible, very hands on with, with the players in, in their preparation and things like that. So, again, we, we talk about some of these guys. Uh, some you know some big personalities leaving that uh, that facility and uh, some some big kind of people who were a part of that culture that uh, who are going to have to be replaced and I think you know Ted Ted was a big part of that too. You didn't only hear Ted around the practice facility; you could hear him from any part of the facility. His <laughs> voice was so loud and booming. The way he warmed the guys up, stretched them out. He was very. Uh, physical and vocal with them. I think it, it worked in two ways, you know, not only to stretch the guys out, but also to motivate them, get them in the mood for practice. But he's all he was also uh, what they coined as Sean McVay's get back coach. So he yes. there was some video that came out that like showed that he was along the sideline making sure that Sean McVay didn't run into the referees. And it was kind of funny because McVay, you could see, was like super focused on the play. And then Rath was always super focused on Sean McVay himself, and it, he was really good at it. And I don't think like an assistant coach would necessarily, um, number one, agree to do that job. But but you you don't see an assistant coach doing that type of job. So he was, like you said, he was uh, more of a, a staff position there, and he was able to kind of do that as part of his other duties with the team. So it'll be interesting to see if there is another uh, quote unquote get back coach uh, that can kind of keep their eyes on Sean McVay. He's Sean's a young guy. He likes to move around. He's a, he's a um, you know they have mobile quarterbacks. He's a mobile head coach. So they got to make sure that uh, they have someone that can keep an eye on him. Right. Well, I have an idea, Jake. I mean, you're a young guy. Uh, <laughs> you, you you can move around. Uh, I, what do you think? I mean, you, you know, you you. you uh, uh, Ted Rath got on camera a lot mm -hmm. in that role. You're on camera a lot. I, I think this is a natural fit, right? Wow. It, you know, Rich, um, when when I was growing up, I thought, you know, I could be a baseball player or maybe an astronaut or a firefighter or a get back observer slash get back coach. That was the, yes. uh, the fifth option there that I had always thought and dreamed of. But yeah, I think I think you know I, I think you're I think you have a little bit more confidence in me that I have in myself in order to do this job. But you know what you know. Hey, if they come calling, I you know I'll have to consider it. You'll listen, right? You'll you'll listen if yeah, they do. Of course. Yeah, my my get back uh, career. I mean, I I strive to be a get back coach when I was young, but you know I got to about thirteen and I just realized I I wasn't yeah. that wasn't in my future. We all I have just, that dream. Yeah, we all have it, and you, you just it ends at some point, and it's yeah. sad. But I think you're still there, Jake. So don't don't uh, close your uh, don't close your ears. You know, if they if they come calling, I think this. Could oh, be, uh, my ears are are wide open and, and ready for anything. 
<laughs> all kidding aside, that is an, an important job that, uh, that that Ted did. So not not one to be underestimated. But I, I think the, uh, people are already asking me about it. But it, they'll take a little bit of time there. Again, the other thing to remember is that the Rams coaches can't technically have communication even with the players until uh, those, those OCAs start. Now, some of the guys are in the facility working out on their own, weightlifting and that sort of thing. But uh, in terms of the actual programs and stuff that they do, that won't start until phase one of the off-season program starts. So we got a little bit of time, about a couple more months before that can be uh, something that's on their radar. But Jake, we, we talked a lot about uh, Brandon Staley and about Kevin O'Connell in, in previous episodes while, while we've been waiting for them to be announced. Let's uh, take a quick spin through the two names that are, are less known at this point. Again, John Bonamago, the first uh, or the one that was announced today, special teams coordinator. He is a veteran coach. We've talked a lot about these young guys uh, coming in, both Staley, O'Connell, uh, you know, very, very young guys. Um, John Bonamago, uh, 56 years old, has been around for a while, been in the NFL uh, since 1999, jumped in with with Jacksonville, had a couple stints there. He's bounced around a lot, like a lot of these veteran assistant coaches do. Green Bay, New Orleans, Miami, Detroit, uh, back to Detroit. <laughs> so uh, he's he's somebody who's certainly been around the league, has has a reputation. Actually got fired most recently by the Detroit Lions when they reshaped their staff a little bit after this past season. So he essentially was a, a free agent coach who uh, will now come to L.A. and uh, has a good reputation for working with punters is one thing that I that I saw, has, has worked with some pretty successful guys. So obviously that'll be an important relationship with uh, Johnny Hecker in Los Angeles. And the other guy, Jake, is Thomas Brown, new running backs coach. Most recently, uh, certainly is a young guy. He's he's only 33. He'll be 30, 34 in, in May. So uh, another one of the, uh, the, young, the young guns on the coaching staff has uh, really bounced around here in the last few years. Former running back at the University of Georgia was before Todd Gurley's time pretty significantly, so it's not like there's a overlap there. But he also coached at Georgia, coached at Marshall, Wisconsin, uh, Miami, Florida, and then most recently this past year at South Carolina. I've heard good things uh, just kind of anecdotally about Thomas Brown. He was very well regarded at South Carolina for for the relationships that he developed there. Very good recruiter, which obviously doesn't mean anything necessarily at the NFL level because you're not recruiting. But what that often means is, is somebody who's very relatable, somebody who has good relationships with players, that sort of thing. Uh, when, when you hear about good recruiters, that that's usually kind of the, the skill set there. So very interested to talk to him. But, uh, you know, what do we think, Jake? This, this staff is now coming together. From my perspective, it's, it's kind of a more, uh, I guess, goal-oriented staff a little bit. There's not big names here. It's not like they went out and, and tried to get the most veteran guys guys or the guys who have the you know former head coaches and things like that feels to me like Sean is is kind of targeting guys who he thinks really fit specific needs within that staff but uh, are, are any of these kind of you know swings that are too big in, in your mind or, or what do you think kind of as you now see this uh, staff coming together I agree that these aren't big names and I had to do a lot more research on these new coaches than I think I would have had to had they gone 
you know, more the traditional route, but I, I am liking what I'm seeing as I'm, as I'm taking a look and going to going deeper, uh, in to the backgrounds and, um, the, the, the anecdotes that you read about these coaches, uh, that the, the interview that you, that you conducted with, with the guy that used to work with, uh, Brandon Staley was, was fascinating to hear him talk about how he, he thought that he was going to be a head coach sooner rather than later, or at least a defensive coordinator sooner rather than later. And he sort of, you know, uh, rise through the ranks pretty quickly. And the thing that I like about this guy, Thomas Brown, that I was looking up is you mentioned, Rich, that he's um, had a bunch of opportunities at the college level, but he's also worked with a lot of, um, you know, future uh, running back stars in the NFL. He worked with uh, Melvin Gordon, who uh, is the running back for the Chargers. He worked with him at Wisconsin, and he also worked with uh, Nick Chubb, uh, who's the uh, Cleveland Browns running back. He worked with him at Georgia. So I don't know what that means other than to just say that he's worked with some prominent running backs. But the reason I, I sort of uh, phrase it that way is because, you know, it may or may not have something to do with uh, Todd Gurley's future. You know, is this is this the guy that they're going to bring in and say, we, we want to see what this guy can do with Todd Gurley, maybe give him a little bit of a spark, get him back back to form when they signed that, you know, that huge contract with him. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting move that, and, and also he, you know, uh, was at Georgia. There's that connection there too. So that's an interesting move. The Bonamago move is, is, is interesting in the sense that like you were saying, Rich, he is sort of an older, uh, guy. When you take a look at the 30 somethings that Sean McVay has surrounded himself with, like you said, he's, he's 56 years old. So um, not to say that, you know, hiring a, a coach that, you know, is is older than 35 is is a bad thing, but it is an interesting, it sort of breaks from what Sean McVay has been doing this offseason with his coaches, but he's been around uh, uh, a while and I think it helps to have that experience like like the Rams kept Joe Barry around. So I think it helps to have that um, that that experience there to um, to round out that coaching staff. Right. It, it is different. And I, I think there's some value in that. I, I don't put a lot. I mean, to, to, to just look at an age, I, I think there's a little bit of folly there. I, I mean, some guys, you know, Sean McVay is the... I think still, yeah, he's still the youngest coach in the NFL. But you know, you, you don't just look at somebody's age and say, "Oh, that's that determines kind of their wisdom or, or things like that." I mean, there's a lot of older coaches who probably don't have a lot of wisdom. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of a mistake just just to look at somebody's resume or look at their birth certificate and say uh, that that that's to kind of plays into their value. But but a guy like this, like John Bonamago, he has been around. He's been in a lot of different NFL organizations, which can be a good thing. He's also been a head coach. One thing I didn't mention there is he was a college head coach at Central Michigan uh, for, for four seasons. So he's even had that experience, not at an NFL level, obviously, but uh, he, he's been a head coach. So so he understands what, what that's like. So again, at, at surface value, I, I think there is there is some value in, in bringing in somebody like that, just who's been around a little bit more. You heard Sean McVay talk about it a lot when, when he would talk about Wade Phillips or talk about a guy like Aaron Cromer, you know, just people who have had that experience who can kind of, he can lean 
lean on a little bit when when maybe it's something that he hasn't experienced before or just wants to get some input from from somebody who's a little bit more senior. So it certainly doesn't hurt to, to have somebody like that who can, if nothing else, just kind of be a sounding board uh, as, as a special teams coach. So, uh, you know, again, we'll see. Uh, I think on surface, it's, it's a good move and kind of provides a little bit of balance maybe for, uh, again, what we've talked about some of these other younger coaches uh, coming in. The only other thing I wanted to mention, uh, uh, Jake, is uh, uh, the other thing I learned was uh, Jed Fish. Now, he, he, we knew he was leaving uh, or has left uh, uh, for a similar job with the New England Patriots. And uh, from what I understand, that position is not going to be filled on its own. That position had kind of been created anyway after the Rams went away from having an offensive coordinator and they kind of went to this, you know, pass game, run game coordinators. And then they brought in Jed as kind of like a a senior analyst type of deal. So uh, now that he's gone and now that they've hired an offensive coordinator in Kevin O'Connell, I think what you'll probably see is a lot of those responsibilities get uh, folded in, whether it's with O'Connell, whether it's worth with a guy like Shane Waldron uh, or whatever it might be. But I, I don't, wouldn't suspect that you're going to see uh, somebody else come in to that specific uh, job. But uh, Jake, the other news has been a week full of news. Uh, yes. Was, and uh, the other news that, that we learned, which now feels like quite a while ago, was the retirement of Eric Weddle. And uh, Jake, I know you were there after the last game against Arizona, where uh, I, I think it's fair to say Eric made it relatively clear that that he was seriously considering retirement. And he said he was going to take some time to, to think about that. And he did. And he announced on Twitter that that was a wrap. He was done. And uh, he's going to go home to San Diego and, and spend some time with his kids. So first of all, congratulations to, to Eric Weddle on a, on a fantastic career. Uh, a lot of which was was spent with the Chargers and some good years with the Ravens there also before he came to the Rams. But uh, we can't be totally surprised by that, Jake. That was one. If, if there was a first domino that was going to fall during this offseason in terms of player personnel, this was probably the one. It wasn't just the final day of the season that he talked about this. You remember Richie talked about it kind of throughout the season of yeah. He was kind of leaning towards it being his last season. He didn't really, you know, come out and say it, but it was sort of the writing was on the wall and he, you know, you could kind of tell that 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 maybe this could easily be his last year. And then uh on the final day, uh he said that he didn't want to come back if he wasn't going to start. And it looked like with the way the Rams were thinking about their roster that that may not happen. So, And then they were going to have to figure out whether or not they were going to keep him or get rid of him and, and what that would mean for their cap space. Well, now they don't have to worry about that anymore. And that's a really good thing because they've got a lot of free agent uh, they've got a lot of holes on the team at the moment and they've got a number of free agents that they can talk to and deal with that we've talked about a lot you know Brockers Fowler Littleton those guys you can really hone in on those guys and you have some extra money uh to deal with that and I think uh you you were reporting on that Rich that the that the cap space is is in a little bit of a more uh favorable favorable position now that Weddle has retired yeah I actually was surprised a little bit even uh how much it is Uh, we'll run through it real quick when when Eric Weddle signed with the Rams a year ago. He signed a, 
a two-year contract, essentially. But uh, what the Rams have done with a lot of these now, and then this is the the latest one, is that that second year is is more like an option year where they they have the choice to pick it up at a certain number. And if they don't pick it up, it's at another number, uh, a a lesser number. Now, what ended up happening here was he retired. So that was yet a third option uh, that we didn't know whether it was going to happen. Now, the Rams would have, let's say Eric had come out and said, I intend to come back in, in 2020. The Rams then would have had to make a decision whether or not they were going to pick up that option. Had they picked it up, it would have been a salary cap hit of about $4.7 million. If they had declined the option with Eric still in the NFL, they would have saved $4.2 million and had a salary cap, a dead cap number of $500,000, meaning they would have had to carry that $500,000 on their salary cap total in 2020. In retiring, in Eric Weddle retiring, not only do the Rams save all $4.7 million of that contract option, but I'm told they also get kind of retroactively another $500,000 back from the past season to, to where it'll actually be $5.2 million that they will be able to apply now to their salary cap space this offseason. Why are the Rams getting that extra $500,000? I have no idea. I have to be <laughs> honest with you. I, there's there's about 250 different, you know, section 1A, 1B of the of the collective bargaining agreement that, that I haven't read. It has something to do with retirement and you know, money that gets recouped or bonuses and things like that. I, it, maybe we'll dive into it in a future episode, but it'll probably make everybody fall asleep. But uh, suffice to say, they are getting back another $500,000. So yeah, Jake, now you're looking at $5.2 million that the Rams can use uh, this offseason, whether it's like you said, to re-sign some of those guys to go out on the free agent market and find replacements, even to use as uh, signing bonuses. If, if they were to re-sign a Jalen Ramsey, somebody like that, they can uh, apply that money to uh, to a signing bonus. So, Jake, here's the flip side of it, though, and I want to see how, wh- which side of this you fall on. Now, Eric Weddle, uh, we can debate kind of what his effectiveness was. He, he was 34 years old last season. He was second on the Rams in tackles. He was a very valuable leader, very valuable communicator on the field. He was kind of the defensive captain, the guy who took the the, the signals, the, the calls in his helmet and kind of got everybody lined up. So regardless of what you think of, you know, how things went on the field, there was certainly some value in, in those areas. Now, the Rams are going to have to replace that. Uh, the depth at safety essentially right now is John Johnson, who's coming off of shoulder surgery. Taylor Rapp, who just finished a rookie season, and not a whole lot else, okay? You're talking about a couple undrafted practice squad guys because also Marquis Christian, who is a valuable kind of fill-in guy, also is set to be an unrestricted free agent. So, Jake, $5.2 million, but you have to replace all of that that we just talked about. Is it still, is it still worth it, or do you think uh, maybe people are underplaying a little bit uh, just how how might be a little difficult to replace Eric Weddle. I think it's very difficult to replace the presence in the locker room. I think Weddle was a guy that Sean McVay clearly got along with really well and trusted in the locker room. 
And I think even to some extent, McVeigh leaned on Eric Weddle um, to kind of uh, give him the pulse of the defense and to and to talk strategy with him. Um, that was very evident as if you were to watch any of the uh, video production that the Rams put out, you know, when they mic'd up the players and the coaches, you would often see Eric Weddle and Sean McVay together on the sideline talking to each other, pumping each other up. So you lose the, that sort of, you know, the, the stuff you can't teach type of stuff, you know, that, that that's just stuff that comes with personality and that's just kind of who Eric Weddle's always been, you know, over his 13 years in the league. So yeah, that's going to be a lot harder to replace. But um, at the same time, you know, it would be a lot easier. I think the Rams would have a lot easier of a time to look at this situation. Let's say, let's say for the sake of argument, Eric Weddle would have stayed. Well, that was what that, you know, that's one less thing for the Rams to worry about, but you also have less money to work with to put the team back together. And the plus side is he's gone. So you get that money back, but you lose that, you know, that person on the field. So it's sort of like, a, you know, pick your poison in a way. But I have to think that having more money at your disposal uh, and trying to get younger and maybe, you know, getting someone through the draft or picking up, um, you know, a a free agent that's not going to break the bank is a better position to be in than to rely on someone that that we saw on the field just wasn't as physical. I mean, I I don't know, Rich, when when Eric Weddle announced his retirement when anybody announces their retirement, it seems like, uh, you know, Twitter comes alive and they dig up all these old highlight videos and you're able to see, um, you know, all of these, even, I think even the, the, the chargers put one out or the Ravens put, uh, put a video out of, of Eric Weddle's, uh, highlights and you watch those highlights and you're like, man, like he was all over the place. He was, you know, such a disruptor. And then you think about the 2019 season that he had, and he just didn't have that spark anymore. And, you know, he, uh, is, you know, retires at age 35. That's, you know, a, a, a decent, a, a really long career um, for, for someone in the NFL. So, you know, I, I, I would take, I'm falling on the side of having the, having more money to not only uh, figure out, a, 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 you know, someone to bring in there, but also get younger, get more athletic, um, and I think that, you know, it'll it'll allow someone like Brandon Staley, who's coming in and being the new defensive coordinator to really not necessarily build the team from this from the ground up, but have more of uh, a hand in in creating who he wants to be on the field. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I went back to uh, a, a few episodes ago when we had Nikki Javalov from the uh, covers the Denver Broncos for the athletic. And she talked about how that safety position was really important to Brandon Staley, or at least in that Vic Fangio uh, a scheme that, that Brandon Staley has kind of run uh, for, for a very long time. So you could see the value there if, uh, you know, Brandon wanted to bring in somebody or at least have, you know, comfort familiarity with uh, somebody in that position. So from even from that alone, it, it kind of makes sense that, that there might be a little bit of a move there. But even, Jake, from the other side of it, you know, safety is a position that, 
whether you want to call it the Les Snead era or, you know, just the Rams in general over the, the last few years, there's been a lot of movement at, at that safety position. Uh, guys going in and out and people, uh, especially the last few years, I mean, TJ McDonald was a, was a staple for a long time going back to, to St. Louis, but uh, he left after after that first season. Rodney McLeod, I don't think he made it out here. Mo Alexander was in there for a while and then he <laughs> left. So it's, it's, I'm not saying there's a revolving door, but if there's one position where the Rams, I think, kind of feel... Uh, a little bit more comfortable uh, bringing in guys and whether it's through the draft or, or things like that. Uh, I, I think safety is, is one of those spots. So I think they, and you know what, there's, there's a, there always seems to be some solid safeties available in, in the draft. You can kind of rotate in there. So uh, I, I think it's, I think it's the right move. You, you do certainly lose some of that uh, leadership that's in there. And the, the other thing is if, if you lose an Eric Weddle and you also lose a Michael Brockers, another very vocal uh you know big guy in the huddle in the locker room things like that those those aren't things that happen in a vacuum you know they they do certainly have some repercussions and and those are voices that that have to be replaced and other people have to step up and things like that so yeah you have to take that into account but yeah i agree jake when when you're looking at 5.2 million dollars in an off season when you do need that money that that certainly can be used directly to to either retain guys or bring other guys in. You know, it's, maybe it's not the ideal perfect move, but I, I think it's one that that has to be made. So we'll, we'll see. It's it's again, it's the first step in in what will be a very very interesting off season with a lot of personnel. Uh, moves and and Jake, the other thing we should probably talk about here is because I, I think it's been an episode or two, so we're we're falling off pace a little bit. Is talking about Todd Gurley, and that was the <laughs> other kind of how should we put this uh, non news news of of the week was there's a little bit of a uh, I don't know what you call it a brush fire, a little bit yeah. of a, yep. a surge uh, of of excitement or or anxiety about Todd Gurley because I, I think where it started. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, I think where it started was uh, Lindsay Theory of ESPN mm -hmm. published a um, a she, excuse me she was part of a story uh, published by ESPN w in which they asked all of their 32 beat reporters to come up with a prediction a bold that word. prediction <laughs> yeah a bold sorry yes a bold prediction let's let's stress that again a prediction. Uh, about what they thought might happen to the uh, for each of their t respective teams that they cover in the offseason. Lindsay's prediction was that the Rams would, I believe she said, seek to trade or attempt to trade, something mm -hmm. like that. So social media being what it is sometimes, uh, that kind of quickly got translated into the Rams are going to trade Todd Gurley. And uh, this is not the only place that it happened. I saw that it also happened with the Arizona Cardinals reporter who uh, reported or not reported, uh, wrote something similar about David Johnson and then had to go on Twitter and, you know, correct people who were saying that uh, he, he was reporting that they were going to cut ties with David Johnson. And he said, nope, that's not what I said. I said it was a prediction. Um, so, you know, Jake, it's, it's kind of you're almost kind of playing with fire with this sort of thing. Uh, these these columns and, and I've done them, too. And there's some value in them because you can kind of give your your insight and, and, you know, what you think might happen or give kind of an informed opinion. Uh, but it's not reporting. And, uh, you know, I've I've written similar things 
uh, to where not long ago I said, you know, the Rams either need to recommit to Todd Gurley or they need to try to trade him. And so I, I think this is something that's going to continue to be a topic of discussion. It also came up when Ian Rappaport of NFL Network tweeted that the Rams were going to have uh, a meeting with Todd Gurley to kind of talk about everything and talk about how his season went, how his knees doing, what the future is going to be like, and that everything was on the table. So uh, Jake, what do you, is this one of those, is, is this one of those, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire uh, kind of deals, or how, how did you kind of process this when, when you kind of, uh, you know, can continue we continue to hear about this uh, Todd Gurley chatter? I think it's a little bit of confirmation bias in the sense that like because people were thinking about uh, Todd Gurley and what his role was with the team this past year, what was wrong with him, why weren't they using him that much and and all of the stuff that was circulating around Todd Gurley, I think a lot of people started to think, well, you know, it, it's it's certainly possible that he could be traded. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And so when you see something that kind of jumps out at you, like the Rams are going to seek to trade Todd Gurley, you kind of just don't even read the rest of the sentence or read what came before it and you run with it. But the one thing that bothered me the most about this is that and I won't call him out or anything, but there were some reputable news sources that were posting this as as a report like it just said like report rams are looking to trade todd Gurley, referring to the espn lindsey theory uh bold prediction and it's like guys like if you know it's one thing for fans or trolls to pick up on things and run with it but if but if reputable news sources or not even reputable, but like news sources in general run with those things, it's very dangerous. And and again, you know, we saw that come up in baseball recently with the whole, uh, you know, Mookie Betts trade debacle that was like c- craziness, you know, throughout the weekend that, you know, what who's in, who's out, what's, you know, is it happening, is it not happening? And it was just sort of craziness going on. You try to had to, you kind of had to like, you know, try and parse through all of it to try and figure out what was true and what wasn't true. So it is, uh, we're we're living in an era where we really do need to read all the words in a sentence and really, you know, stop and think for a moment before we react and repost it. I'm just going to get off my soapbox there for a second. No, 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 no. Yeah. But, but, you know, you have to, you have to say it. I mean, you do. It's, it's just like, I, and honestly, I had read the bold prediction uh, article and then I saw, I saw what came out after it. I was like, oh, oh my God. Like really? Like, and, and, you know, but here, you know, here's the thing, the, the, Trading Todd Gurley is a very, you know, real possibility, let's say. And there are a lot of things that go uh, along with that. And there are a lot of hurdles uh, the Rams could face if they were to try and trade Todd Gurley versus cutting him or keeping him or whatever. So if they cut him, then it's it's really going to hurt their, their, uh, their cap space. If they try and trade him... You got to try and find someone that's going to take him. And and what I mean by that is is take that contract cuz that's a lot of money for a team to absorb from a running back that had a had a pretty down year in 2019. And you know, you 
there I don't know I don't know how many teams out there would be willing to take that risk or absorb that contract and just, you know, hope and pray that uh, Todd Gurley comes back to form. And I think I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, Rich, and you can, you know, uh, you know, tell me what you think about this theory that I have is that in a lot of ways, the running back position in football is, is starting to go in the direction of, a uh, the closer position in baseball in the sense that a few years ago closers were you know consistently getting top dollar and and they were getting huge contracts right well now teams and general managers have figured out that you can find some guys off the scrap heap and turn them into closers and not have to pay so much money for them and i think what's happening with running backs is is that you got guys like Raheem Mostert, who's been on a, a bunch of different teams. 49ers pick him up and turn him into a guy that helped carry them to the Super Bowl. So when you're when you look at a guy like Todd Gurley, who's getting paid so much money and he puts out the season that he puts out in 2019, you sort of say, well, why are we paying so much money for a running back like that? And I'll, and, and the other point I wanted to make was about um, Zeke Elliott. Remember before last season, everybody was talking about, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, is he going to get paid? Should he get paid? How much money should he get paid? And it was like, he was going to hold out. And then then on the chargers, you had Melvin Gordon who was holding out and it was sort of like, are these guys going to get paid? And then Zeke Elliott gets paid and has has a monster season. Well, Todd Gurley got paid and didn't have a monster season. So it, that's another factor uh, in in the sort of the the trade discussions if if they even get to that point with Todd Gurley is if why would I pay that much money for a guy that's not that came off a bad year versus a guy that came off an incredible year and then not only that got paid in the case of Zeke Elliott got paid and had a another monster year so I don't know if that theory is way out of line, but it just got me thinking of like, this is the this is kind of the way that this position is going in football. Yeah, I think it's a little bit cyclical, you know, in terms of these things kind of come around. And, and we saw that little run there a couple of years ago or even just within the last year where a lot of these guys got those deals. Uh, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. Zeke Elliott, uh, there's got to be one or two more in there who I'm, I'm not thinking of, but uh, they all got those big second contracts. And and then, you know, we what are we now? Less than a year removed in, in some cases. And now you're seeing these names pop up. I mean, we, we can talk about how, you know, that, that ESPN story, it, it certainly was a prediction, but, you know, who there's two names that end up in there and it's Todd Gurley and and uh, David Johnson. And yeah, it was a predictions, but it's also informed predictions because those those people are being talked about and it is a possibility. So I, I think that's what we're getting to here is giving those second contracts now to, to these running backs where you're talking about paying these guys 12, 13, 14 million dollars a year. Is it worth it? The Chargers were, have been going through that right now with Melvin Gordon. They're looking at it going, well, Melvin Gordon's been a productive running back for us on on his rookie contract. He's been a thousand year, a thousand yard running back. But now we're staring down the possibility of having to 
commit to him for another three to four years at another 12, I don't know what they're looking at. So let's say somewhere around $12 million a year uh, when they have a lot of other things that they need to address. They got to re-sign Joey Bosa. Now they need a quarterback because they don't have <laughs> Philip Rivers. So it's just, it's, it's about how you kind of distribute that money. There's only a finite amount of money. And I think you're right, Jake. I think a lot of teams increasingly now, or maybe are circling back to the to the idea that hey, you know what? If we've got that twelve million dollars to spend, maybe it's best not to to put it into that running back, even if he's only twenty six years old, and you you think he's going to have some productive years ahead of him. Uh, when you can go out and and that replacement level probably isn't uh, so significantly difficult. I mean, we, just, we saw it most recently with the Rams at the end of that 2018 season when, you know, Todd Gurley starts having issues with his knee. C.J. Anderson comes in basically off his couch and <laughs> is very productive. Now, that was a small sample size and, and C.J. was very well rested and all of those things. So I'm not saying that C.J. Anderson is just as good as Todd Gurley or that anybody can come in and do what Todd Gurley did but it's just again Jake it's what you're saying it's it's about how you spend that money it's it's where can you kind of get the most bang for your buck and and I think increasingly now teams are going to look at and say well maybe it's not worth it to to invest in that much money into the into the second contract of a running back even if he's highly successful I think Melvin Gordon here is going to be a very interesting case study to see uh, you know what the market might be for him and how much money he's going to get now that we've kind of gone through this wave of guys who got their money and quite frankly the the results haven't been haven't really matched the the contract. So how does that impact the next wave here? And are those guys still going to get paid the way that this, this, this last round did? Uh, I don't really know. So, yeah, Jake, I, to, to me, that's that's what the Rams have to look at here. And, and when, you know, Ian Rappaport says everything is on the table, that the Rams would be stupid not to. They would be stupid not to evaluate every one of their options and say, okay, what, what would this look like? What would this look like? If Todd Gurley's here, what does it look like? If we trade him, what does it look like? Like salary wise, what does it look like depth chart wise? Uh, those are all things that that you're going to run through right now. And then finally, Jake, just just to put the numbers to it directly for for people who are wondering if the Rams would hypothetically trade Todd Gurley, uh, they would be looking at about four point six million dollars in cap savings. Now they'd have to retain about 12.6 on, on their cap total, which is a lot of money. So you're looking at a $4.6 million savings. And of course, you probably still have to identify a replacement or at least bring somebody in. Um, so financially, not sure. But again, it's it, to me, Jake, it's just something you have to and you, you should look at all your options at this point. Yes, you definitely need to look at all of your options. And unfortunately, What's happened this season with the Rams is that there hasn't been a consistent message when it comes to Todd Gurley. And I think that that has done a huge disservice to him specifically because he's one of your stars on the team. He's one of the highest paid players on your team. And he's a guy that clearly isn't getting the ball as much as we expect him to. Obviously, there are so many factors when it comes into that. We talked with Jim Everett 
not too long ago on this podcast about how if the offensive line isn't blocking and they're not creating holes for the running back, it's almost like they're, you know, the running, even the best running backs are going to struggle in that type of scenario. But the problem that has sort of surrounded Todd Gurley is, is the messaging, I think. And I, and, and it's been, it's been difficult to kind of get that straight answer from the Rams, from the, from Sean McVay as to what, what has been his deal? What's going on with him? There, there, there hasn't been even someone coming out and saying, he's our, he's our running back. He's our guy. We want him to be here. And, and we, and we're going to focus on him. And I'll be curious, like I mentioned before, to see, when they officially announce this reported new running backs coach, Thomas Brown, to see if if they'll answer some questions about what his role will be in this sort of Todd Gurley offseason. Is he going to be a guy that is going to work directly with him? Was he brought in specifically for Todd Gurley? Was this something that they they saw maybe in Skip Pete that they weren't liking so much that they went out and got this this specific guy this this younger guy this this college coach who has worked with like I was saying Melvin Gordon Nick Chubb you know Todd Gurley's still a really young guy so maybe he's got some sort of um connection with him that he can build on who knows but I think one thing that's hurt Todd Gurley from the preseason all the way through to the offseason has just been this messaging of we, we we don't know where the Rams stand with him. It was like they were saying that there was no pitch clock. We were saying they were saying that his knee wasn't bothering him. But then we're looking at the product in the field, and those the two things didn't add up. Yeah, I, I don't have any doubt in terms of the the relationship between Gurley and Brown. I'm not sure, but you mentioned a couple times there him working with with Chubb, and I know um, Todd Gurley has has a relationship with with Nick Chubb just because he's still very close with uh, the University of Georgia there, and even you know goes back to games when he can and, and things like that so I, i'm sure whether even if it's just secondhand uh I, i'm sure he's he's had a lot of information coming in uh about his new position coach and and yeah jake i, I agree i mean this is kind of why i wrote the story uh, i think it was at the end of the last season or maybe right at the start of the off season is uh, they just they, they have to make they have to put their foot in the ground as a running back does and and make a choice here like you're either going to say uh, we can recommit to todd Gurley that he can carry the ball 20 times a game if needed not not every week necessarily uh but but that he has that capability and that you go into a game with a mindset that he can be a workhorse running back or it's it's time to do something like this the the half measures of of 2019 are are not going to work and and I think again the messaging uh it, it needs to it can't just be the same thing of oh yeah Todd Gurley's fine everything's good and then you know when he gets 12 carries it's oh gosh you know the the flow of the game just wasn't right and you know we can't can't do that again like it just it didn't help anybody and and I understand as we've talked about sometimes maybe why it needed to be done from strategic purposes a little bit you don't want to you know show your hand or overplay exactly what's 
what's going on with, within the team. But it, again, it's just clear to me that it, it didn't work. It, it did not work all around. So whether, whether it starts with the messaging or starts with uh, the plan that they have for Todd Gurley, I, I think they just kind of need to wipe the slate clean a little bit and uh, come up with a new plan and come up with something that not only works for Todd Gurley, but works for the Rams offense in general, because that's a big part of it. But I'm sure these discussions have been going on, and I'm sure whether they like it or not, uh, they're going to be asked about it a lot, starting on Wednesday when uh, those coaches get introduced, and then a couple weeks after that when everybody is in Indianapolis for the Combine. I'm sure that will be uh, another uh, place and and time for, for those discussions to come up. But Jake, our immediate focus will be on uh, this Wednesday and and eager to hear from these coordinators and see what they have to say about their hiring, see what they have to say about their visions for the Rams offense, defense, and special teams. I will be out there. I'm sure I'll be tweeting some stuff uh, at Rich underscore Hammond on Twitter, and I'll have some type of story later on in the week, depending on on what's said. And uh, if you want to get a look at these guys and hear them, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to do so both on CBS2 and KCAL9. Always great coverage of the Rams. So, uh, Jake, what can people, where can people go to uh, to tune in and get some news about these new guys and about everything else that's going on in SoCal sports? Well, you can go to our website, cbsla.com. Of course, a lot of people uh, just, just you know, going to repeat it over and over again that, you know, you can, uh, you can watch us on KCAL 9 and CBS 2. We are the same station. You're going to catch Jim Hill on both channels. So, um, and he's not working for one channel or the other. <laughs> he's on both because we, we own both of them. So yeah, I mean, Sports Central every night on KCAL 9 and on the weekends as well. Um, we will, uh, obviously we, you know, we cover all LA sports, so I'm sure we'll have, uh, some great coverage of these new coordinators. And of course, uh, I will be, uh, tweeting about it as well as I, uh, always do. And Rich, I know, I know you as well. And I, I, you know, I wanted to, um, give you a shout out, Rich, because you have been on a hot streak with this, uh, new logo watch that you've, you've been following <laughs> Kevin Demoff's Twitter, yes. uh, profile picture pretty well. And I, you know, I'm, I'm starting to believe the conspiracy theories. Yeah, it's a whole. You just have to string it all together. It's just a big <laughs> puzzle that that uh, these are all just clues that are being dropped, and uh, and you just you put them all together, and then you get the answer. It is hilarious. You know, Kevin was off Twitter for for a very long time, and now has come back with like it, it's it's one of the greater comeback stories of of the <laughs> of the year. Like really, it's I think it's him and Dwight Howard. You really have to put oh, them yes. side by side in terms of uh, the way that they've come back with, with a force. But uh, it's just <laughs> like I, I can't imagine. I haven't read through all of his replies, but they, they must really be uh, something. They, they've even got like 7, 10 a.m. to be talking about it. Like, is this the Rams new logo? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, my goodness. Yep. Like, it's no, no, it isn't. Spoiler alert. It is not the Rams new logo. But uh, Kevin is having a lot of fun and building a lot of interest in uh, the new logo and, and whatever they it is they intend to do with it. So we'll, we'll get him back on at some point. I'm trying to find the right time and and uh, a place to, to get him back on as, as a guest to talk about some of this stuff. So. 
we will do that. But until then, yes, please do follow along with, with me on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond. I will keep you abreast of, of all the latest uh, Kevin Demoff fun <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, certainly do follow along with Jake at Reiner underscore Jake, R-E-I-N-E-R underscore Jake, uh, for some great insight as well from CBS2 and KCAL9. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, as always, for your reviews and comments and everything else for helping to spread the word. And we will be back with you soon to talk about the Combine, to talk about uh, some roster decisions and everything else going on with an exciting Rams offseason. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>